Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Quick programming note. This episode was recorded prior to the big Chris Paul to the Rockets trade. So that obviously shifts things a lot for the NBA and free agency. I'm not sure how much it does for the Lakers, but I did bring up the possibility to our guest Keith Smith of Blake Griffin possibly signing to the Lakers, you know, in a big pie in the sky sort of hypothetical that obviously now opens the door to that. I don't think Blake Griffin is a possibility, but who knows? We'll see. Crazy start to free agency, obviously. Also, any mention of Patrick Beverly that happens in this episode, obviously, at this point, is now obsolete. So there is some talk about the uh, Rockets trying to chase Paul George, too, but I don't really believe any of that. They don't really have the assets to do so. All this is kind of crazy and happening as we speak, so I guess we'll just kind of wait to see and find out. With that said, everything else in this episode should still be 100% relevant to the Lakers, quote-unquote, free agency chase. So with that said, I will return you back to your original programming. And so he was a he was a big cat when I, when I took him home from PetSmart, uh, when I rescued him. He was a... He had to have a small dog carrier to bring him home, so we knew he was a big guy. And my friend and I were studying French at the time, didn't learn it, but uh, <laughs> we decided to name him uh, Chubby in French, Poupo.
All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy, where we once again hit the often extremely underwhelming and anticlimactic roadblock that is NBA free agency. But you know what? No one can touch us this year because cap us outside. How about that? How about that? <laughs> so, Tommy, T-Pain, are you ready for another crazy wackadoo NBA free agency this summer? I'm actually out on all this crap at this point. Uh, I'm more excited to see what happens in the larger NBA landscape as a whole, but definitely totally out on the Lakers. We know what they're going to do. We've seen what the, what the strategy looks like, and it consists of signing Jordan Hills and Nick Youngs and Chris Kamins to one plus one contracts. Possibly slightly better prospects this year around, but definitely not any future building blocks for the franchise, but more mercenary renegades looking for transitional holding places. So yeah, your gut reactions heading into this free agency for the Lakers. Trust the cap space. There you go. Trust the cap space. Cap space superstar explosion 2018. (laughs) I put out a poll on Twitter asking people for what's the better motto for us, whether it's hashtag cap space better or hashtag save the cap space, which is like our trust the process. And uh, so far, hashtag save the cap space actually won. So we'll use Uh, we'll use either interchangeably. (laughs) And so today we actually are going to delve super, super deep into (laughs) super deep into cap space. So deep deep into cap space stuff with Keith Smith, NBA. He hosts the front office insiders podcast on the almighty baller radio as part of our network. And we really delve deep into the cap space essentials, concepts, cap holds, etc. But also who Keith thinks the Lakers will target in free agency, which is just around the corner this Saturday, July 1st. Before we get to that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many calls Rob Palenka will be making to various free agents before 12.01 a.m. July 1st. Ooh. Ooh, before. So we can finally get a head start at signing, well, the Tony Snells, Jody Meeks, and Anthony Morrows of the world. So <laughs> I don't know how much that'll help, but yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes. Speaking of rating interviews, tonight's review will be read by our impressionist extraordinaire, Tommy Alexander. And tonight, Tommy, you will read it as heralded Cap Space McGee. He has a very distinct voice, so I hope you can tackle this one all right. So take it away when you're ready. <clears throat> this review is called The Most Woke Lakers Pod by Super Spirit Gun. Get woke. Stay lit. Listen to this pod. For real. The Lakers' legacy is the perfect mix of humor, insight, and reflection on all things Lakers. It's been a joy to listen to this show the past couple of years, and I look forward to many more to come. The end. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, What's his name? Super Spirit... I don't even know. Super Saiyan. Super (laughs) Spirit Gun. Super Spirit Gun. Thanks for that review. Tommy, thanks for that... uh very well done impersonation of cap space mcgee now i ask you very welcome i ask you as i usually do what went into your channeling of cap space mcgee well this time i tried to imagine an an abstract entity (laughs) that would eventually become lebron james that is amazing and i think you're very on point that was a hard one to do but you pulled it off with flying colors so good job thank you (laughs) All right. Uh, with that said, I guess before we get to our interview with Keith, Keith Smith, Tommy, yeah, what are your thoughts on free agency? Do you think Paul George is coming to the Lakers via trade? Obviously, that 
that stance is still happening right now. You know, Boston crap going on with the Boston Celtics trying to sequence out this part one, Gordon Hayward, part two, trade for Paul George. Like, what are your feelings on that situation in general? My feelings on that specific situation are, uh, I don't think Paul George is coming to LA. And I, but that being said, I don't know if the Boston rumors are a hundred percent true. I don't know where Paul George is going to go. Okay. I think that's the, that's the first point, but the Boston stuff to me just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because it's sort of the, the exact same situation that we were arguing um, on this show, just like in you know, the previous three, four episodes, who is Boston bidding against at this stage? Like the Lakers have made all their picks. They've traded D'Angelo Russell. Like we have all pretty much Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and like a future pick to offer. That is an extremely low bar to meet for a team like Boston that's loaded with assets. And this offer that I'm seeing is like Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, the Lakers pick, and like the Clippers slash Memphis pick, whichever's better, however that pick, uh, uh, protection works. Mm-hmm. Why is that any of like that seems so unnecessary? All of that, you know, it's like who are you bidding against? This is ridiculous. Like, call Pritchard's bluff. You have you know that first of all, the top the Lakers slash Sacramento slash Philly pick or whatever that pick is going to ultimately become. That pick alone pretty much trumps our whole offer because like a 2020 pick theoretically is going to be pretty late. Like regardless of what happens with free agency, at, at best it's going to be late lottery you would imagine because mm-hmm. by that time our young guys are going to become quite a bit more developed and we'll we'll sign somebody if, if not a star we'll sign somebody and jordan clarkson is like a bench player and julius randall is pretty good but he has to be paid soon so it's an extremely low bar to clear and i just don't understand like this uh, this and i know it's woge and i have more as much respect for woge as anybody else but I just can't help but think that's partially being at least partially being leaked by the Indiana Pacers, because if that was a real offer, like if there was something in the article, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, it was something in the article like, oh, yeah, but Indiana, according to sources, may not uh, if, if they get they may still decide to deal Paul George before July 1st. I'm like, no, 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 no. If that if that offer, anything remotely close to that offer is on the table, you wait. Yeah, you hold even out. If it means you hold out because even if that offer later comes off the table, that offer is so much better than all your other offers theoretically because if your other offers are of the Randall Clarkson late first round pick variety and there's more than one of them, even if it's only the Lakers, you know, you're going to get all your other offers are going to be approximately the same is what I'm saying. This is like a ridiculous offer that nobody else can match that would actually do it. And if that's a real offer, then you're going to wait for that. So I don't think Paul George is going to get traded this week. Sorry, can I jump in? Yeah, yeah so I think at the end of the day, you're right. It's a leverage play. They're going to start super high and make it seem like teams have to pony up something crazy to match that. At the end of the day, if the Celtics do pull the trigger and assuming they are able to get this Gordon Hayward thing done, then the likely package will probably be a lesser version of that and will involve Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart, and some other guys that they need to get rid of anyways. Terry Rozier, right. something like that, right? So, yeah. Um, did you want to also talk about your your theory on this feels eerily similar to what we went through with KG in oh, 2007? Does, yeah. No, it definitely does. If if anybody remembers out there what happened in 2007, I, I sure do. <laughs> uh, 2007 was the summer that we were supposed to get 
or sorry, I can't remember if the trade was, it was consummated the summer of 2007, right? Where KG went to the Celtics. Yeah, but. Because then they won the championship in 2008. Yeah, but like the, the summers previous to that and then so like, this, yeah. Exactly. So it was exact. It was a very, very similar situation. The summers leading into that summer, it was like KG's disgruntled. Minnesota is not really going anywhere. You know, they kind of made a run earlier in his career with Sprewell and Cassell, and they made it to the Western Conference Finals, but they couldn't get it done. And then the team wasn't really going anywhere. And KG was just like best friends with Kobe, and they were super close, and they shared like the you know, the high school bond of being two young guys who came out of high school and it you know, worked out for them and they became superstars and hard workers and serious and blah, 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 all this and that. We heard this nonsense for so long. KG owns a summer house in LA. He spends the summers here. He loves LA. You know, we, we, this went on for years and years and years. And there were all these rumors leading into the years before KG was supposed to become a free agent. Oh, the Lakers are they're trying to get expiring contracts for uh, 2007 so they can make a big run at Kevin Garnett as a free agent. And all this nonsense came, uh, came in and out of, of our, our lives. And um, then in the summer of 2007, KG was officially on the trade block. And we had, like, I think a pretty big offer for him. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly, so I don't want to misquote it, but I'm pretty sure it involved, like, Andrew Bynum and Lamar mm-hmm. Odom. Um and like future picks and like that's how serious we were to get this guy and boston swooped in with this huge package of like al jefferson and like a ton of future picks and other young assets and arguably ours was better because like lamar odom was more established and like you know bynum was you know pretty high pick and he's just shown some promise at that point but it's like it, it was very, very similar. All the reports were saying KG only wants to go to LA. Me and Victor, one of our friends, we were at the Summer League. This was back when the Summer League was in Long Beach at the uh, Pyramid. And we saw KG at the Pyramid. <laughs> and he was just there at the Summer League. And he went into like a closed door and then came out like 20 minutes later. And then like 10 minutes later after that, Mitch Kupchak walked out of that room. So it's like, done, he was done. at the. Yeah, exactly. So he's like at the summer league meeting up with Mitch Kupchak. You know what I mean? So this the same exact thing was all the signs were pointing, and then all of a sudden Boston swooped in with just like a offer that I I don't know who it was at the time. I want to say McHale, but I could be wrong. But Kevin McHale couldn't walk away from, and he ended up going to Boston. And it's like, oh, okay, well he's not going to stay in Boston. Well, then they made the trade for. Ray Allen. Ray Allen. And then they had Paul Pierce, KG, and Ray yep. Allen all in, like, their, basically their prime. They were all, like, 28, 29. And, the rest and is history. The rest is history. And that's, so, that's pretty much what they're trying to do with the Hayward thing, too. You know, like, they're trying to exactly. combine all these pieces. So, I mean, all that to say, don't get your hopes up for this Paul George thing, even though at the start of this summer, we were so lit when he said, yeah, we were super lit. I'm going to go to the Lakers. I mean, I, I guess the differing point between now and then is the fact that Paul George is entering a Lakers situation where, you know, he probably is focused on legacy and there's no Kobe Bryant. So he'd want to be the face here and all that stuff. So that could be a differing point. But I think at this juncture, it would be smart for Lakers fans to kind of have a, well, we'll believe it when we see it and we'll see whether he puts his money where his mouth is summer 2018, regardless of whether where he's traded, because he's going to be traded. It's just not going to be to us. 
So um, with that said, we'll turn it over now to our interview with Keith Smith. And then after the turn, we'll just get Tommy's final thoughts on free agency. Uh, Tommy's going to be on hiatus for a bit like the next one or two weeks or so. So this will be like his final show before free agency. And, but honestly, I don't think anything exciting is going to happen. So that should be fine. But yeah, catch us on the turn with our deep delve into salary cap stuff and our free agency primer with Keith Smith. And I think we recognize that really starting July 1st, we want to add the, 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 the two or three remaining guys to the roster or potentially more that'll help the young core develop and be mentors for the guys and fill positional needs. All right. So we are very pleased tonight to be joined by cap space guru and host of the front office NBA show on almighty baller radio, amongst many other things, Keith Smith. He joins us today. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. I mentioned you have many other things going on that you've been involved in and are currently involved in. So if you'd like to plug any of your work, what you specialize in, and then also blast out any of your social media handles, please go ahead and do so now. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I am a uh, salary cap roster nerd. I love that stuff. The CBA, all that is, you know, that's where my passion lies around the NBA and I love getting into that. So for Almighty Baller Network, I host the NBA front office show. We focus on transactions, salary cap, roster building, all that stuff, CBA topics, those kind of things. So uh, we've got several episodes up, including a very deep two-hour deep dive on the NBA draft and all the follow-up from that. So that was you know a lot of fun to record, and we'll have a lot more coming as free agency kicks off in a few days. As far as my written work, you can find me at realgm.com, fanragsports.com, as well as Celtics blog for Celtics-specific coverage. I know Celtics-Lakers, well, we'll just have to put that aside and be friends for the <laughs> night. Um, and then uh, and then you can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. It's a lot of uh, roster-type tweets and a lot of things like that. I love to you know go back and forth. I'm pretty active on there. So if anybody ever wants to hit me up, hit me up there. Cool. Awesome. So I thought the most productive way of our time tonight could be just going over the lay of the land for the Lakers salary cap this summer, next summer, and maybe even 2019. Uh, just because obviously the Lakers' new strategy is once again to save cap space. You know, our hashtag and motto, it seems this summer is now hashtag save the cap space or hashtag cap space better. So with that in mind, I thought it'd be good to just educate people on the logistics and specifics of the salary cap, what's involved, and how the Lakers should maneuver given this particular strategy that they've decided to embrace. And the fact that you write for the Celtics, you can also give us an idea of what's going on over there in terms of their plans for Gordon Hayward, a trade for Paul George, etc., etc., because I know there are many moving pieces that have to be done, including clearing some cap space for you know, both of those guys to happen. So I thought we could first start with what are your thoughts on a Paul George trade getting done, whether it's to the Lakers, the Celtics, or anybody. I think it's clear that Kevin Pritchard is very mad. Um, he uh, He's very mad at the way that things have been handled and the way that Paul George has kind of flip-flopped in just the last few weeks or so. Um, he probably does have multiple offers on the table. He's just trying to see which one is going to be beneficial to him or if anybody's going to adjust that, especially with free agency coming up, you know, this Saturday. Um, so with all that said, I guess, what are your thoughts on the Paul George thing? Are you hearing anything new? And yeah, what's what's the pulse on, on 
on the Celtics right now, trying to pull off this uh, one-two punch of trying to sign Gordon Hayward and then immediately trying to get rid of some guys to clear cap space to, I guess, trade for Paul George. Yeah, so I'm not really hearing anything new other than what's been I've been out there regularly reported on over the last week or so. It is, you know, it's no secret Paul George requested or did I, let me rephrase. He didn't request a trade. He just informed the Pacers that he wasn't coming back next season, that he'd be a free agent. And then it leaked after that, that he's interested in playing at home in Los Angeles for either the Lakers as his primary choice or the Clippers as a backup. And that puts the Pacers in a tough spot because he is essentially an expiring contract. He has a player option for next year, which he'll obviously decline to become a free agent. And that leaves the Pacers in a position where in order to, they, they don't want to see him walk away for nothing. They want to get something for him, but it significantly lowers their leverage because with him making it clear that he wants to go to L.A., if you're a team like Boston, how much are you going to give up for a guy who's going to be a one-year rental, no matter how good he is, mm-hmm. which in the case of Paul George is very good. But so what that does is that um, puts the Pacers in a tough spot. I do think that they, under no circumstances, will they have him on the roster. Right. It, at, Deep into the season, I'd be doubtful that he's even on the team to start the season. I do think that they're going to move him and take the best offer. And what has happened recently, um, as of really today, you kind of touched on it, is the Celtics apparently have a plan lined up to sign Gordon Hayward with their available cap space. And then they would make a trade for Paul George. And using some of the remaining, maybe potential little bit of cap space if they had any, as well as players on the roster currently, and they would bring George in and he would really then form almost a, you know, all-star foursome with Isaiah Thomas, Hayward, George, and Al Horford. And then they'd fill out the rest of the roster with rookies and veteran minimum players. So what you're seeing is the most important thing though is that Boston has an order of operations that this needs to happen in Mm -hmm. because if they do anything out of order, what ultimately happens is you don't leave enough space to do the second move. The other complicated piece for Paul George is, is the Celtics would be acquiring him assuming that he would have some interest in staying in Boston. And ideally they would want to bring him in to then sign an extension Mm -hmm. And there's a couple different ways that can happen. There can be a, your standard extension that he could sign or a renegotiation in an extension, which brings his pay scale up. But the pay scale coming up is basically related to having cap space to do so. So there, there's a lot of moving parts here, and it really depends on how much money the Celtics can clear as to what they can do as far as Hayward and George go. Gotcha. Do you? So obviously, if... Let's say that they do sign Hayward. Obviously, I think they'd be more amenable to taking that risk on Paul George, right? So do you think they, like, what is the lowest offer that they could give without necessarily securing an extension or uh, a commitment from Paul George? Because, I mean, I th- I still think their poo-poo platter of assets could essentially beat the Lakers. Um, I don't think they'd throw down that 2018 Lakers pick or that Sacramento 2019 pick that they got from Philly without a commitment from him. So in that sense, do you think they'd throw something like Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, um, and like a lower end first round pick in the future and that would get it done? Yeah, that could get it done. I, I, Jay Crowder is definitely going to be in the deal for two reasons. One, he's a good player on a valuable contract. So even to a rebuilding Indiana squad, he would have value. And they need his money for salary matching for George and trade. 
they would likely have to put if they do this before the the end of the week, they can add Tyler Zeller in the deal mm-hmm. and then bring him in. Now, the tricky part with that is and that makes makes signing Hayward that much more complicated because they'd have to move other money in order to free up enough space to sign Hayward. It, it's all linked and intertwined together. So what ends up happening there is you're probably not going to see Zeller in the deal. So it's probably going to be Crowder and then one of either Marcus Smart or Avery Bradley, strictly from a salary matching purposes. And then that then you you flesh out the rest of the deal with some sort of picks. Now, Boston, you mentioned they have the Lakers slash Kings pick. They have the another Brooklyn pick in 2018 that's completely unprotected. They also have the um, a future Memphis pick, mm-hmm. a future Clippers pick. So they've got all kinds of things that they've got floating around that they can do a lot of different combinations with. Now, I will say one thing that's really interesting for the – uh, Lakers involvement is now that now if the Celtics are close, does that motivate the Lakers to say, well, we got to get this done. We can't let him get to Boston and run the risk of him liking it or staying or whatever it is. And then at that point, do they start to say, all right, well, maybe we do have to pony up more than Julius Randle and some future first round pick. Maybe we do have to consider Brandon Ingram in the deal, which has been a no go to this point. But things change, you know, as one team gets really close to making a deal, often that second or third team jumps in there and says, all right, if you're that close, now we'll give you what you asked for originally. And that that would be tough for the Celtics to beat because Ingram's obviously an established young talent versus the relative unknown of a draft pick. Sure. Um, Yeah, it's a tricky situation for the Lakers because I think at this point, at least our fan base has been stuck on this particular package of Jordan Clarkson to match the salaries, Julius Randle, um, 2020 first round pick, which is the the most recent pick that we can give up. And then maybe like Josh Hart, one, one or two of the first round picks that we were able to uh, draft this past, you know, past week, even though, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I- Sorry, my thing with that, though, is, right, so Clarkson, he's an okay player, but he's a bench combo guard. You know, that's what he is. Julius Randle, the challenge with him is you're bringing him in, and then you have to be, if you acquire him, you have to immediately turn around and give him a contract Mm -hmm. extension, you know, the the following season. And to add in Hart or Kuzma, those guys, I mean, those are late first-round draft picks. They're both, you know, decent enough prospects, but who knows? And then the 2020 pick, the challenge with that one is, the Lakers should be really good by then. <laughs> so now you're talking about what is probably ultimately going to be a late first round draft pick. And that becomes a challenge in, in and of itself. I would say if you're the Lakers and you have any belief and confidence in we can get George and then we can land LeBron James as a free agent. Well, what do you need Brandon Ingram for? Mm-hmm. You know, it's you're not he can't play with those two guys, you know, at least not on any regular basis. They're all, you know, too much overlap positionally. And at that point, I would say, you know, hey, if, if that's your belief, if you if you're going to dream that big and believe you can get it done, then make it happen and make the move. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that'll be a tough pill to swallow because I feel like Lakers fans right now, especially me, have to undergo like these crazy paradigm shifts all of a sudden where we thought we were kind of in this trust the process mentality but all of a sudden you know things flip on the dime in the nba especially if you're in los angeles right and the celtics yeah I mean, right it's, and, it kind of kind of mimics the way that the celtics on the fly built that championship team back 
in 2007, 2008, if the Lakers are planning to do something like that, right? Where they sh- they uh, shift a bunch of assets like Al Jefferson and all their young dudes for all of a sudden Kevin Garnett. They they flip the number five for Ray Allen, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and that in the challenge is right that there's no way in heck the Cavs are moving LeBron this year. So the challenge is that's more of a next year move. But if in order to make next year's move, you got to get Paul George today, well, then, you know, that that's where you're going to go. But then your challenge is then what happens if LeBron's like, ah, you know, I'm good. I'm going to stay here in Cleveland or I'm going to go somewhere else. Now, you know, I mean, you still have Paul George, who's a really good player, still in his prime. But now you gave up assets to go get the one guy. And now you get to fill in around him instead of the second guy. So it does become a challenge. And I will say the Lakers, though, obviously, slight change of mindset, right? In this past week or so, when they dealt D'Angelo Russell, they obviously changed their mind a little bit around, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to build around this super young core. They They made some moves to set themselves up. Yeah, for this year, it's probably a wash ultimately on the court in terms of wins and losses. But for next year, that's where they made the bigger impact. Yeah. So I guess let's let's land on that point before we get into the salary cap stuff. I wanted to ask you, what's your thoughts on this, you know, D'Angelo Russell Mozgov salary dump trade for a six month rental of Brooke Lopez and potentially, you know, freeing up around. 20 to 30 million next year. Um, yeah. Are, do, do you like that move or is it once again, just contingent on, on who they get really? Yeah. So you called it what it was. It was a salary <laughs> dump. Now I, I don't like giving up D'Angelo Russell. I'm not the biggest D'Angelo Russell fan yeah. in the world. I, I don't think he's really a point guard, but that doesn't mean he's still not a good, useful player. But I understand it. It wasn't going to work out well with him and Clarkson and Jordan and uh, Lonzo Ball, rather, all in the same backcourt. It was just too many guys and too many guys who need the ball on any sort of regular basis. So they had to do something there to 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 just clear that logjam a little bit. Now, maybe Ball and, and Russell could have played together and been an interesting combo but but you know last we'll never know right so um you know so I, I, I it's tough to give up on him i'm also not i don't i'm not one of these people who believes that timofey mozgov is completely useless is he overpaid absolutely you know he's overpaid but people are like well he didn't even play at the end of the year well that's because the lakers didn't want to yeah. play him you know, they they basically said, you know what, we're just going to tank. And not that he would have made a huge difference, but he might have helped them win another game or two. He's still a decent defender, decent rebounder. He's never been a great offensive player, you know, but he's he's solid, you know, in that respect. Now, massively overpaid for sure. There was a dumb contract. The minute it was, you know, tweeted by Woj, mm-hmm. I think it was like, wait, is Woj half asleep here? <laughs> I know it's late, you know, on the East Coast, but what in the world? You Apparently know? So, it was Mitch who um, was half asleep at 12.01 a.m., but yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah. You know, nine o'clock on the West Coast, they were they were uh, they were tucking in early. But, you know, so but, you know, for what they got back, Brooke Lopez and then a, a late first round pick, you know, and I, the the pick ended up being Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he, you know, he decent prospect. You know, we'll see you know, what he brings. It's starting. You know, it depends on what happens with Randall, but him, Randall, Nance. Now you kind of get a lot of guys there um, with that. But Brooke Lopez is a good player. But Brooke Lopez wasn't acquired for anything he's going to do on the court. You know, you called him a six month rental. He could have been a six day rental. Sure. You know, the whole idea was to clear that cap space for next year and get Mozgov off the books. You know, now. Now, the Lakers this year, they have no no incentive to tank. They don't own their pick. They're not gonna there's no way they can have the pick. I've had a lot of people ask, well, there's protections on it now. Not for them, there isn't. That's between Philly and Boston. It's gone. So Lopez will help them on the court, you know, and, and he gives 
Ball, a nice kind of bailout veteran guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so when, when Ball, you know, is working the pick and roll and things like that, at least you know Lopez is going to be where he's supposed to be. Showed the ability to really shoot the deep ball. And so he'll be a good, helpful player for them. I don't know what this means for uh, Zubac. You know, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, with him. I think that'll be be interesting to see how they work, you know, those two in together. And then uh, the human foul machine, Tark Black. <laughs> You know, we'll ultimately see, you know, where he lands throughout all this. But, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting deal, and I liked it for both sides. You know, I liked it for the Lakers because they did what they had to do to start to clear space, and I really liked it for um, for the Nets because I think they got Russell, who's a good prospect, and Moskov, who's still a useful player. Sure. I think where I'm mostly concerned, obviously, outside of the fact that I'm a huge D'Angelo Russell fan and have invested a lot of time, like, speaking up for this guy, just objectively i feel like the lakers through this move left themselves with no room for error and no real fallback plan where you know their the worst case scenario was oh we still have d'angelo russell and timothy mozgov you know where the worst case scenario here is oh god do we have to sign you know paul Millsap to a crazy contract right i mean when we've gone through this in the last you know from 2012 to 2014, you know, striking out every single time. So that could be the worst case scenario where in this case, you know, if they had just hung on to D'Angelo Russell, that would have been their worst case scenario. Maybe they have to, you know, eventually package him in a later deal for, for another asset. But I would have been fine with that to get better value. And then, like you said, Timothy Mozgov still has utility as a big man in the NBA. And last year, actually, some of Russell's best passes were to Mozgov for dunks and alley-oops and stuff like that. So the fact that we weren't able, even able to get rid of our most useless player, which is Dang, and obviously there's a reason for that, it was kind of disappointing as well. Um, so given that, I think that's why... I mean, do you agree that the Lakers have left themselves a very, very thin, pretty much like needle of space to, to execute this plan because they did this deal? Yeah, well... This year, they're they're not going to do anything as far as big moves. I mean, that was the big move, unless they were to go out and get Paul George now. Um, they are going to really go in. I don't even project them to have cap space. Um, and, and if anybody's listening to this, you can follow along with my projections. If you go to my Twitter timeline, at Keith Smith NBA, there's a tweet pinned right to the top that is a link to my NBA salary and roster sheets. There's a tab in there called 2017 Projected Space Worksheet. You can scroll over, find the Lakers, and then just go down, and you can see all the, the salaries and cap holds on the books. And the challenge is a lot of people say, well, I've heard we you know have $10, $11 million in space. Well, if you're under the cap by less than the amount of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, the biannual exception, you get those instead and they bring you back over the cap. So that's why the Lakers are slightly over the cap by about $1.2 million or so because of those two exceptions that lifts them back over. And why I project them to do that is you'd rather have the access to those two exceptions than you would to... 10 million in space because you're really giving up, you know, two good exceptions for a small space. Now they could go that route if they wanted to sign one player for $10 million. You know, there, there's some flexibility in there. And a couple people have said, well, how did they lose cap space? Well, well, again, you got to factor in, in this, I have them keeping David Nwaba. 
um, which I think is going to happen. There's really no reason to let him go at this point. I also believe that they will keep uh, the non-guaranteed contract for Tarek Black. Again, no reason to let him go. And then they have three cap holds for first-round picks now, in addition to Lopez's $22.6 million. So that is all eating into everything as far as um, cap space goes for the Lakers. So that's a very long way of me saying they're not doing anything this year. You know, I think we all know that it's all about next year and conserving next year space. And as far as next year goes, they've done a pretty good job setting themselves up. They can get to a maximum cap space of about $61 million. Now, it won't end up quite that high because they'll they'll have some of these rookies that they drafted this year under contract and they'll 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 they not likely they will pick up the rookie scale options for Brandon Ingram and Larry Nance Jr., but they're going to have probably in the range of I would say 40-ish million dollars in cap space and then if they could get someone to eat Luol Deng's deal or Clarkson even potentially now you're talking up up and over the 50 range and that's that's when it starts to get real serious about looking at trying to get two max guys right so you actually think it would be more beneficial for them to stay slightly over the cap so they can avail of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception which would be around 8.4 million and then the biannual exception which would be 3.3 is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just think it makes a little bit more sense, yo. And then, then by doing that too, they could even then retain um, Nick Young's cap hold if they wanted to try to work some some form of new deal with him. If they wanted to bring it, bring back a guy like Tyler Ennis and say, you know, hey, we want to bring you back. Now they're limited in what they could pay Ennis just because of when. Uh, player as his rookie scale option declined his max salary for his incumbent team is whatever that would have been it's it's to close a loophole of saying hey we're not going to pick up your option we're going to give you 25 million dollars they, they don't want that um so that's done you know guys like thomas robinson meta world peace they're you know they're they're minimum guys at this point in their careers so it doesn't matter one way or another with them and then they'll they'll obviously bring the three draft picks onto the roster ball Hart, and kuzma and then, you know, then we just kind of see, you know, where it goes, goes from that point. I, I would guess that Thomas Bryant, the second round pick, will likely be on the team as well. I think he's, you know, a good prospect to have up front, you know, guy play a little bit of power forward, a little bit of center. So it'll be interesting. And then, but the big, the, the reason why I really say that is it just gives you that flexibility of having those two mm-hmm two tools you can use to bring in players. And they're not going to be, again, they're not bringing in anybody beyond a year. Unless the guy comes super duper cheap because they're not going to do anything to mess up cap space in the summer of 2018. Right. And so for both of those exceptions, you can't combine those, correct? Um, yeah, no, you cannot combine those exceptions. That's a great question. People ask that all the time is, can you combine exceptions? Can you buy, combine an exception with cap space? You cannot. Okay. You can only use them in, individually. The The big thing with those is the biannual exception and the, um, is limited to a two-year contract that you can sign a player to and the non-taxpayer is a three-year you can go as long as a three-year deal um for that so those are those are really what the the kind of limiting factors are but they're you know they're they're in a lot of ways when you're that close in terms of cap space they're just as good as having pure cap space itself sure and then obviously you're not you're not obligated to give anything more than a one year so if they wanted to offer that non-taxpayer mid-level exception they can offer it to someone for one year and uh can they do like a one plus one kind of thing with that 8.4 million yep. awesome 
Yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah, you can do that. You um you have that ability to basically say we're going to um we're going to do that. And I and I misspoke. I'm sorry. It's a f- up to a 4-year contract for the non-taxpayer. Um I misspoke previous. I I had to go back and double check that. Um the biannual is um though that is only two. Now the other thing you can do for those is you can split um those those deal those two um pieces as well mm-hmm. so you could give uh, let's say it's 8.4 million for the non-taxpayer you could give one guy 4.4 million another guy 4 million um you could give the biannual to to one or two players and split it's such a small number it would be hard to split it but you could do that as well um so those are those are kind of your your options with those but yeah you you can do one year you could do a one plus one on either one of those a good example um for your listeners out there in los angeles uh, Luke Richard and Mute with the Clippers, mm-hmm. he re-signed last year using the biannual exception and signed it, re-signed using a one plus one contract. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, you know, just in case our listeners are getting kind of lost in the thick of things, this is one. This scenario, <laughs> once again, is if the Lakers don't renounce anyone's cap holds and keep it as is, so they stay slightly over the cap and can avail of the mid-level exception, which is now, you know, that mid-level exception used to be around $5 million, but because of the cap jumps, it's now 8.4, and then also the, the biannual... Is it the bi- yeah the biannual exception, which is around three point two. So now let's say and, that yeah. Sorry, go ahead. let's sorry. Let's be clear with the biannual too. Just one other limiting thing with it is you can only use it every other year. Gotcha. So if they were to use it this year, you can't. Yeah, it, it's no longer available to to be used next season. Okay. Um, no matter what you do. So that is a good one. I do want to correct one quick thing. They could renounce all of the free agents minus Nawaba, who I who I believe that they're going to pick up his team option anyway. Um, and they they would still end up going over the cap by virtue of those two numbers. Um, so that's even if they wiped out Young and Ennis and Robinson and World Peace. Um, that that still only brings them a little over ten million over or to ten million under the cap, and then those two combined push them back over. So just just to be clear with that, it gets really confusing. So so if, if you're listening, don't don't beat yourself up if you don't get it. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. And just trust them. Sure. Let's try and make things a little bit simpler. Let's say they don't go that route and they want to renounce all those all those numbers, including Nick Young's ten million cap pulled. And then also they don't pick up Tarek Black's, you know, six point six million. At that point, would the Lakers have around sixteen million to play with? Because let's say they want to sign, like I don't know, for some reason they want to sign Rudy Gay to a one-year sixteen million dollar contract. Could they do that by renouncing everybody? Yeah, they could. They'd actually get to about seventeen point two million. Gotcha. In that uh, scenario, so yeah, if they that that's just with renouncing everybody um, and dumping. Uh, uh, Tark Black as well, who is fully non-guaranteed. If they also dumped Nawaba in that situation, they're up around 18.4, 18.5 uh, million there. So, and that that's obviously keeping the cap holds for the three first-round picks still, because I can't see them uh, doing anything with those three. But, but yeah, they they can definitely get there. They they can get themselves to a, a healthy amount of space if they really wanted to do that. Cool. And do you know for the two-way contracts with the G League, are do those count against the cap if you? sign someone to that they do so there's a minimum portion that counts against the salary cap when when they are signed and then there is a how it works from there is and then they they build based on days spent in the nba so every day a player spends in the nba it adds a little bit more to that salary essentially what the two-way contract is designed to do is allow teams to a lot of people don't understand this so 
literally, I'm going to use Brandon Ingram as an example because it's a really out there and it's not going to happen. But the Lakers could assign Brandon Ingram to the D League to to their to the uh the, what is it the defenders mm-hmm. right the LA defenders they they could as, they could assign him him there and say you know hey you're gonna go play there for a week and no other team could come along and say well we're gonna take Brandon Ingram because he's still the Lakers own his rights mm-hmm. now what can happen is but with another player so let's use David Nwaba as an example before he was signed when he was just in the D League and didn't belong to any team any NBA team could pick him up as a free agent. Now, in the new world with a two-way contract, it gives teams that little bit more flexibility to say, geez, you know, we really like this guy. Let's use Thomas Bryant as an example. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Lakers say, man, we really love Thomas Bryant, but we don't, we just don't have a place for him on the roster. They could say, you know what, rather than just asking him to go to the D-League and make like 30000 a year, which is what D-League players make, we're going to sign him to this two-way contract, which is going to pay him around seventy-five, eighty thousand, 80000 with the potential for more, and that's where will drop them i highly encourage um everybody to go to uh the new website it's called two ways and 10 days.com it's by uh, chris reichert and adam johnson these two guys are the nba g league experts they know everything about it and chris wrote a terrific article breaking down the two-way contracts that's far easier read than it is for me to try and explain but it's essentially a tool that allows you to keep the player and keep their rights while paying them an appropriate salary in the d-league or an nba salary when they're up in the nba gotcha and i'm going to keep saying d-league and it's (laughs) g-league no problem Those guys are going to beat up on me for that. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Okay, so I thought maybe we should have done this uh, firsthand when we started talking about cap holds, but I thought, you know, it would be good to kind of explain to our audience what the construct of a cap hold is, because I've been getting questions on my Twitter about how, well, isn't it possible that Brooke Lopez stays on one more year? And I'm like, pretty much close to 0% that he stays on unless something crazy happens. But, you know, I think for me, it's also with regards to if we trade for Paul George now, um... Obviously, people are asking, oh, isn't there a benefit to trading for Paul George now? Because when he's a free agent in 2018, can't we do that thing where we we do all of our signings and then we can go over the cap to re-sign Paul George? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Paul George is going to have a huge cap hold regardless of whether or not he's an unrestricted free agent. And the Lakers don't have that. Uh, they don't have that, you know, tool to them, you know, because he... he yeah. Same with Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is only making $21 million this year, but even as an unrestricted free agent come 2018, he's going to be on our books as $33 million cap hold, which we cannot touch unless we renounce him. So I just wanted to ask you, I don't know if you can explain this better than I, I'm sure you can, um, just what a cap hold is and how each player has that. I, I think people are also confusing like, oh, I thought people could do this because didn't the Spurs do this with Kawhi Leonard? And I would say, <laughs> yes, the Spurs did this with Kawhi Leonard because he was still on his rookie contract and his cap, his yep. cap hold in 2000, whenever they did, they resigned him to that max was a very low amount you know and at that point the late they could make all of their signings and then go over the cap because they were taking into account his low cap hold at the time and then they went over the cap to sign him for his new max contract now i think the laker this situation would apply to julius randall right because we know he's going to make more than his cap hold amount of around 10 million or so next year so they could essentially make all their signings and then withhold that 10 million cap hold for Randall. And then once they've made all those signings, taking into account his cap hold, then they could go over the, the, 
the cap and then sign Julius Randle to around 15 million or something if he deserves that money. So yeah, could you explain the the concept of cap holds for every player, regardless of whether or not, even when they become an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, man, I don't know what there is to explain. You got it down, Jonathan. You're putting me out of business here. Um, no, so here's the deal with the cap hold. What the cap hold is designed is to do is to close that loophole of saying, well, if anybody becomes a free agent, we can just wait, do sign all these other guys, and then sign this guy to some astronomical figure, and it doesn't really matter. So what the NBA does, along with the players' associations, they created this concept of a cap hold, which basically says, if you want to have the rights to sign this guy to a massive amount, he's going to count for some amount on your books into next season. And that can range from the minimum all the way up to the maximum contract the player is allowed to sign for. So let's use uh, the example you were kind of giving with Julius Randle. The one I'll use is just from this past summer with Andre Drummond. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said, how did the Pistons add these guys in free agency when they still then signed Drummond? Well, Drummond had a comically low cap hold for a player of his ability because exactly what you said, he was coming off the rookie scale. Now, one of the things that the NBA did was the NBA doesn't like that, right? That's that's not a... The NBA wants as much of a level playing field as they can have. So so they don't want to have these teams say, hey, you just sit there with your ridiculously stupid low cap hold and we're going to tell everybody we'll match every offer and no one's going to give you one because what's the point? And you just you know sit there quietly. We'll do all the rest of our shopping and then we'll we'll take care of you later. So what they changed was it wasn't a big change, but they changed slightly in the new CBA where the for players coming off the rookie scale, which this is, you know, where Jewish Randall comes in, used to be if they were below the average salary in the NBA, which almost every guy coming off rookie scale is, if their previous salary was below, which Randall's will be, his salary for 17-18 is 4 $4,149,242 for those who really want to get technical about it. That's well under the average salary. So what it used to be in the old world is his cap hold would have been 2.5 times that amount or roughly $10 million. Now in the new world, it's three times that amount because they're trying to shrink and close that loophole. So in the summer of 2018, Randall, assuming they don't reach a contract extension this year, his cap hold will be about $12.4 million. So it's not a massive change. It's a change of you know, a little over $2 million. But what it does is it, it tightens the, that a little bit. Now, in the case of Brooke Lopez, $22.6 million for 17-18. So he comes off the books. He's an expiring contract. But his cap holds $33.9 million. <laughs> so, yeah, so big, big boy there, right? Um, so what's going to happen with that is in order for the Lakers to really do anything, they need to waive him. Because otherwise, that's his cap hold takes up one-third of the available cap. Um, roughly because the cap will be you know slightly north of a hundred million dollars so what they have to do is they're going to have to say see you later brooke lopez and they do that by this process we already mentioned a couple times renouncing the rights so basically what that means is we're not going to use our rights to re-sign brooke lopez and exceed the cap to re-sign him so we're going to renounce our rights to him which then clears his cap hold off the books and makes it worth essentially nothing. Now that doesn't mean that they can't necessarily re-sign him and renegotiate a smaller contract if he's open to doing yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. Right? But what it does mean is they would have to use available mm -hmm. cap space to do it. So instead of, you know, 
doing all their shopping early and then saying, all right, now we'll get around to Brooke Lopez and we can, you know, go over by, go over the cap by 10, 20 million. They, they don't have the ability to do that uh, any longer if you're an ounce of player. So, so that's going to be the, the, the tricky piece there is, is how do you handle that? It's, it's really a move. Renouncing players is a move you make when you want to bring in new fresh blood from outside of the organization. If your only goal is to retain players, then you're just going to, eat the cap hold and then come up with whatever the new deal is that you're going to sign them to and bring them in. Now, every once in a while, you'll have a guy like Lopez, you know, let's say Lopez says, you know, I only need $12 million, which he, he could, those Lopez brothers a little, little, little weird. <laughs> um, you know, he's uh, and he's going to be close to Disneyland. We know he'll like that. He loves, uh, the Disney parks. Sure. So, um, so, you know, he, he may then say, you know, resign me for 12 million but the challenge is that $12 million immediately goes on the books and eats into the cap space. Almost, yeah, it's less than the $33 million cap hold, but it still eats into the books at $12 million versus just wiping it off completely. So, so it's a tricky game you have to play, but it's a necessary understanding if you ever want to understand the cap. Because people just start, and I'm sure you get these on Twitter or through your forums or whatever, where people just start firing off, well, we should sign this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And it's like... Okay, this isn't 2K where you can <laughs> shut the cap off and force you know moves through. It doesn't work that way. You got to be you know logical about the the. Again, I'm going to go back to what I said at the top of the show. It's the order of operations that really matters here. Sure, and you know with regards to to Brooke Lopez, if he were to renegotiate for that lower amount of 12 million, don't you think, given the Lakers' plans of trying to sign two max players in 2018, if he were to do that, he would pretty they would pretty much have to come to that agreement like 12:01 a.m. right, so that they could could plan accordingly, right? So they know, okay, we used up 12 million of our cap space on Brooke Lopez. We have this much amount. We're going to have to stretch dang to get that two max amount, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it would pretty much have to fall in domino fashion, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would have to happen right away. And the challenge is, well, the good thing, I guess I want to say, but more than a challenge is the Lakers know, then they can talk to Lopez. They can talk to him about it today. Mm-hmm. If they want to because he's their player now. They can talk to him about signing whatever kind of deal they want to sign in the future. The challenge comes in with $12 million. Just look at it this way. That's $12 million less dollars that can go to Paul George or LeBron James mm-hmm. or anybody else. You know, And it really comes down to is, do you want to be able to give those guys $12 million more? Or do you want to give that to Brooke Lopez? And that's that's the decision you know you really have to kind of make you know at this point when you look at it. It's you know it's a uh, I like to call it it's it's like it's like doing a big um, if anybody's ever played I'm sure everyone has that game Jenga. <laughs> you know as you move one piece out, you have to be watching all the other pieces, otherwise it's all going to come crumbling down on you. Right, and so that's why I am always saying. If Brooke Lopez is re-signed as a Laker, even to a smaller amount than what he's getting now, then something went terribly wrong in our two superstar max plan. <laughs> because then Brooke Ro- Lopez is essentially one of those guys and uh-oh, you know? Um, so I guess if Brooke Lopez signs for $10 million, ten like, and that's already a huge if, obviously, because it's not like Brooke Lopez is washed up. It's like this is going to be his last chance to get a big contract you know he's 28 29 so let's say he does for some reason do that la discount thing and signs for 10 million dollars at 1201 a.m how much 
base realistically do the Lakers have at that point to go after Paul George and then LeBron James? Do they have enough to open up two max slots? Because right now, you know, I think 2018-19 is projected for, I don't know, 103 million or so in the cap. Um, Yeah, 102. So yeah, do the Lakers have room to do that, even if they stretch dang and that opens up another 10 million? Uh, extremely unlikely. Here's the challenges. So, and let, I gotta let me double check Paul George real quick. I am pulling it up now. He is, yeah. So, the two max slots for LeBron James and Paul George, if the cap comes in at 102 million combined, they will be 66.9 million dollars right. for the two of them. So, 36 and change for LeBron and 30.9 for Paul George. So, the real simple answer to your question is no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's, you know, that's, that's a number that you would have to essentially wipe out almost the entirety of the roster to get there, to get to that number. And then you're, so you're talking Clarkson's got to go and dang has to ideally go, not even be stretched, but go, you know, you, you find somebody to eat his contract and then, you know, your Lopez is obviously gone. Um, you're renouncing him. So to get, to get down to that kind of cap space that that's really tricky to, to give you a real example this year, uh, the team I project to have the most cap space, your, your West coast brother in there, the Sacramento Kings. And I project them at 52.8 million. And that's the highest projection I've ever had for a team in, the almost 10 years I've been doing this. Gotcha. Okay, so everybody, let's make it clear. Brooke Lopez is essentially a rental. So <laughs> so with, with that said, what's the likelihood do you think that the Lakers can trade Lopez and his expiring 21 million at the deadline to a contender needing a final boost for like a late first round pick a la Lou Williams? Is the most difficult part finding a team with big enough outgoing expiring salary to bring back to us? Yeah, you, you you hit the nail on the head. It's it's finding the right team that can bring bring the Lakers um, an asset and also not make the Lakers take on any long term salary. So I, I heard a lot of people say it as oh well the Lakers will just flip Lopez again. Yeah, well that's easier said than done. You know you got to find the right uh, right team to flip him to. He he doesn't shooting the three helps him quite a bit in the modern game. But he doesn't necessarily fit every single team in the league. So you got to find a team that he fits, a team that can give you some form of minor asset, assuming that's really the goal here, as well as send no long-term salary back. Finding a team that meets all three of those, it's probably slim to none. Right. So I have another hypothetical scenario. Let's say that the Lakers are able to somehow make this Paul George trade happen now. And they're mm-hmm. using that package that I talked about, which is unlikely, the Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, first round picks package. Essentially, those salaries pretty much match up and allow that deal to happen, right? Um, so in that sense, considering Jordan Clarkson's now off and Julius Randle's cap hold is now off, Paul George is now on the team with Brooke Lopez going into 2018 summer. Essentially, we would renounce Brooke Lopez's huge 33 million cap hold, right? But now Paul George mm-hmm. would take his place, right, with that same Essentially, the same cap hold. Is that correct? Uh, a little less. His cap hold would be twenty nine okay. million, so so slightly less. Okay. Um, than Lopez. Cool. So in that scenario, with Paul George already on the team, taking up twenty nine million, then the Lakers could obviously make the rest of their signings and then go over the cap and re-sign Paul George, right, for bigger amount, right? I think his because mm-hmm. he'd be earning on his first year of his new max extension what thirty plus. 
Yeah, thirty point nine right now. If the cap hole, if the cap projection of one hundred and two million stays steady. Okay, so let's say Paul George is on the team for already for two thousand eighteen. How much money would the Lakers be projected to have two thousand eighteen summer with Paul George on the books? Essentially, Brook Lopez. He's taking the place of Brook Lopez. Yeah, so what you'd really do there is he he takes the place of Lopez, but you're probably you've at that point I'm gonna I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say maybe you moved Clarkson yep. in that deal and maybe Julius Randle. So now you've cleared, you know, an additional uh, almost twenty three million off your books. Oh sorry, I think I think they'd already be cleared, right? Because in my scenario we've traded Clarkson and Randall for Paul George. Sure, but 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 remember what you did was you replaced Jor you replaced Lopez's cap hold with George's cap right. hold. So you've replaced actual salary for Clarkson sure. and a cap hold for Randall with nothing gotcha. in that scenario, right? Because you're flipping it forward to 2018. Mm-hmm. So in that in that world, it, it, then, then you're probably looking at you're going to move Dang for whatever you got to do. If that even means you got to give up a first round pick to get somebody to eat him, you're going to be able to clear north of – 38 to 40 million which does give you that second max salary slot or really the first max salary slot to sign let's just say lebron james um and then you can still have uh um george's cap hold on the books and go from there so it it becomes really tricky when you start doing things like that because then you have to factor in well, Ball's in his second year, so his salary jumps up to seven point five million. Josh Hart, Kuzma, you know, well, what if they, you know, um, moved off, moved off in Nawaba? What if they dumped uh, uh, Zubac? It, it really becomes a little trickier, but it it becomes far more doable. Gotcha. Would you prefer, obviously, Paul George already being on the team for that two thousand eighteen summer for the Lakers' sake? I would. I, I just think you always have a better. It's. And this has nothing to do with the cap. This is you have a better opportunity to retain a player than you do to just go out and sign a player. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, well, Gordon Hayward, he's going to the Celtics, right? I still think the Jazz have the best shot. You know, most guys, when free agent decisions come, unless things have gone really poorly or they really want to get back home, in the case of LeBron going back to Cleveland, they stay where they are. Most guys don't have a lot of interest in moving around um, from team to team or moving, you know, especially cross country in a lot of cases. So I would rather see them get Paul George now. And then, then one, they can pay him more than they could pay him. All right. Cause they could offer him a five-year contract with 8% raises versus 5% raises if they signed him outright. So it's, it's more money he can get And the, but the biggest thing is you already have him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he could, you know, help you towards whatever you're going to be this year. You know, if, if you're going to try to be a competitive team, be a playoff team. Well, you know, because there's no reason not to be right. You don't have your pick. Um, just just push them in, you know, there and see where it goes. Gotcha. OK, so let's start going into free agency, actually. But like you said, the Lakers aren't going to do much. But is there any scenario where you see the Lakers even doling out literally one contract that's a multi-year contract and if so how little would it have to be for it not to eat into their two max superstar plan for 2018 
Yeah, I don't see them giving out any sort of ma- uh, multi-year contract that's not to to a minimum salary guy. And then it would probably mean that the second and third years have some small guarantee or no guarantee at all. Um, that's the only thing I can see them doing. I can't see them going into anything that would give the player or anyone the opportunity to hurt their their space uh, for next summer. So, so, so not even like a $4 million multi-year contract. No, the only reason why is it's all going to matter. Mm-hmm, true. It's they're going to need every single million that they can get and it's all going to be a big deal. So you don't want to have that. It's it's funny, you know, pe- people um like to say things like the the Detroit Pistons. Well, you know, I'll, you know, yeah, I know they've got that 5.3 million for Josh Smith on the books, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, ask them if they'd rather <laughs> not have it on the books. You know, you, you'd rather not have, you know, meaningless money that's no good on your books. Um, you know, and unfortunately, I mean, the Lakers have one of the worst ones in the world, dang, you know, already. And that's, you know, 17 million of terrible money on the books. So, you know, that's a you don't want to add to that at all. There's no reason to turn that 17 million into even 20 million if you can avoid sure. it. Sure. Okay. So let's get to some of the prospects. I know KJ McDaniel's team option was just declined by the Brooklyn Nets. For some of the rest of the restricted free agents on the market, I know Kelly Olenek will likely be a unrestricted free agent now, right? And um, do you yep. anticipate any particular players being renounced and being allowed to enter unrestricted free agency so their teams can open up that cap space like the Ben Mack Moore's, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s, Miritich's, and Tony Snell's of the world? Yeah, so Tony Snell won't be. He's He proved to be too good for the Bucs, so they'll keep him. The Bulls will likely keep keep the restricted free agent rights for Miritich. But I do think Macklemore is a good candidate. They, they've got Buddy Heald there now. Um, his, his future is probably not really there anymore with Sacramento. Um, you mentioned Kelly Olenek. He's you know, likely to be be done. Um, then then you're getting into the more minor players, so like the Reggie Bullocks of the world, um, Troy Williams of the Houston Rockets, uh, th- those kind of guys, the guys that no one's really going after. One interesting player um, who, you know, I think could go that direction if, if his team says, you know, we really want to go the cap space route is Shabazz Muhammad from the Minnesota Timberwolves. I could see them saying, you know, well, we're going to move on from you now that we have Butler and Wiggins here. We don't necessarily need you on the roster. So so that one is one I could see them potentially moving on from. But most of the restricted free agents, teams are they know what they have in those guys. So it's it's there. And one who's definitely gonna happen is Trey Burke from the um Washington Wizards. They are not gonna extend him a qualifying offer because Burke would just sign it um and become a uh and just sign it and stay so he's not going to get a qualifying offer from them so that becomes interesting um what i ultimately think is is what the lakers are going to do um as far as targets go is i think they're going to look for a veteran point guard someone who can really be a bridge guy for lonzo wall if just i mean he's going to probably start day one i would be shocked if he doesn't but if he doesn't someone who can really kind of just come in and give them you know, 15, 20 minutes of solid play, you know, around him, you know, that that's, that's been around the block, someone who can help him, you know, along the way a little bit. So a guy, you know, the, none of these guys are anybody don't go out and buy these guys jerseys because, <laughs> you know, who knows, but you know, it could be a guy like a, uh, Darren Williams or Bano Udry or a, um, uh, uh, who was it? I was Darren just thinking Collison? about, um, sure. Shelvin Mack, I think Collison might be a little too expensive, okay. and I think he might need a year or two. But but you know that that could be you know another one. I get guys like that, 
those are the kind of guys I think the Lakers are going to go for. Um, they're not not really all that dissimilar to what the Nets did last year, which was add some veterans in there. And then va- basically with, you know, hey, maybe we catch lightning in the bottle. This guy plays well enough that we can then flip him for something later in right. the year. Um, if not, you know, they'll just help us while the young guys are getting acclimated and then we can move on from them after. Right, right. So. You know, we in the scenario where the Lakers, you know, renounce some people and have that 19 million to play around with um, outside of a point guard, they also need additional shooting. Which players do you think would be enticed by like a one plus one kind of bloated contract? I, you know, I think the because D'Angelo Russell is now gone, the biggest question that I have in my mind is who the heck on the Lakers is going to score outside of Brooke Lopez, you know, off the dribble kind of score when things break down. And you know, people are not going to like this, but you know, Dion Waiters, <laughs> Dion Waiters is a guy who can score and get his own shot, but he's also proven to be really good and solid for Miami Heat all the way around, including being able to play defense. And, you know, he averaged like three or four assists as well. So a guy like that, do you think he'd be enticed by like a one year, $15 million contract? Yeah, I don't think he will. Cause I think he can probably get something in the three year range mm-hmm. at almost that amount from a lot of teams just because he did have such a good year in Miami. So I I think, you know, you're there. But if you're looking for guys who, you know, that the unfortunate thing is there's not a lot of guys who can go get their own shot off the bounce in this year's free agent class. That's one of the things that's really lacking. Mm -hmm. And the guys who can do it are more likely to get the bigger contracts. But, you know, none of these names are going to get people excited. But a guy like Tyreek Evans, he can do that. You know, he can still go out and score the ball. You could even bring back former Laker Jody yes, Meeks. Yes, I am a you know, huge a Jody Meeks. Shoot. I've been saying that like the last year pretty much. Yeah, I think Jody Meeks is a guy who he can help a lot of teams this year, especially teams that they just need someone who can score the ball um, some. So those are those are a couple of options there. If you if you really wanted to go into a guy who can kind of create on his own and, you know, on that one year overpay deal, you could go down the Jeff Green route. Um, that's what the magic did with him this past season. Um, if you, if you wanted to bring in a guy like Michael Beasley, who can create a little bit of offense from the small forward power forward position, you could go with, with a guy like him. It's, it's just, it's a class. The free agent class is, well, there are some amazing guys. The amazing guys are probably all staying right where they are. Mm-hmm. So the Steph Curry's, Kevin Durant, um, then the next tier guys of the the Gordon Haywards and the um, you know Otto Porter as a restricted free agent, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Those guys are not going to be you know on the Lakers' radar because they're looking to go somewhere where they can win, you know now or they're going to stay right where they are. So you know that's that's a little bit of the challenges. They they're probably more surfing the the bargain basement kind of guys the guys who are looking to rehab their value a little bit build themselves up that's why i throw out options like evans and meeks because i think they make sense from where the lakers are and where those two players are in their career and they're probably more willing to take a one-year contract versus going multiple years sure and for those two if you're working with like 19 million you'd assume that maybe both of them would split that and take you know jody meeks for nine million one year tyreek evans 10 million one year correct Something like that. Yeah, you you definitely could do something like that. Could potentially work for them, um, where you are, you know, splitting the difference there. And I and I again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of this kind of section of the conversation is they're going to bring in some form of veteran point guard because they're not going to go in with just uh, Ball and you know, and then uh, Jordan Clarkson as the kind of the 
half backup because he's not really a point mm-hmm. guard. They're going to get some sort of veteran in there to to help ball along and you know learn how to play in the NBA. Sure, I think at this point, I think my preference would be to get. I mean, provided he's still can walk after the finals is Deron Williams because he has played with Brooke Lopez before. Um, he does know how to run a competent pick and roll. Hopefully he has some steam left in his body just to, you know, play even backup point guard to to help Lonzo ball along. So that would be good. So even like a Deron Williams, Jody Meeks combo, something like that would work. Yeah, well, and the, the, the Williams one would be funny too because that's only been rumored for, I feel like, the last 10 years <laughs> that he's going to be a Laker at some sure. point. So it would be... It would be uh, kind of funny to see that finally, exactly. finally come come to fruition here this late in his career. So for guys like um, Ben McLemore and Ian Clark, you know, who I think some people, some Lakers fans are very interested in them. Those guys will likely get multi-year deals, correct? Yeah, those guys are, they're, they're going to be, there's two things working against the Lakers with that. One is multi-year deals and the second is they're going to want to be somewhere that's a little closer to winning mm-hmm. now. Um, and they're they're not in a position where they need to rehab value. They're ready to to they're already where they are as players. Gotcha. What about a guy like Rudy Gay, who's just looking for a transitional period, and he's like, ah, maybe I'll take one year in L.A. And then we give him that fifteen million one year contract. Would that work? Yeah, it it could definitely work. The challenge I think with a guy like Rudy Gay is you. Do you need him? No. Because you already have Ingram. You have Dang, who can play at that spot. Um, you you just drafted Kuzma, who may maybe play a little bit of small forward. Probably not. But, you know, Nance can get – you can get away with him there occasionally. So that becomes the challenge of, like, like are you, what, what are you getting out of that? You already have Dang there. And, you know, and, and the last thing the Lakers should be doing at this point is bringing in anybody who takes any minutes from Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Correct. You know, you, you want to give him as many minutes as he can handle. I think my only reason for bringing in Rudy Gay is the Lakers have no incentive to tank. And if they just want to do what they've been doing the last few years, like bringing in guys like Carlos Boozer and Chris Kamen, which hasn't really worked out, um, to kind of bolster their, their win percentage or their competitiveness as a team, I think Rudy Gay would help that alongside Brooke Lopez. And if, if you squint hard enough, maybe Rudy Gay could be like the precursor to Paul George so they can start to get acclimated with that. Obviously, I know Rudy Gay is a much different player than Paul George. But I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you're trying to play around and you're like, ah, let's try and make this guy what Paul George would inevitably become when he becomes a free agent and comes to us anyways, you could try that out. So I'm just trying to, you know, spitball at this point but um but yeah i think what about a guy like cj miles for for the lakers in terms of you know filling in that wing spot and an additional shooting or he could fill that shooting guard spot for uh for lonzo ball yeah i would be again he's another guy i just i can't see him going to a rebuilding lakers team when he's uh the kind of player that any good playoff team would like, you know, he can reasonable, reasonably play both wing spots. He's even played some power forward in the, over the last couple of years, which is, you know, remarkable given his size, but he's the kind of guy that contending teams are going to be lining up to give a similar type contract to what the Lakers can give. So at that point he might even take a little less to be in a better situation. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, our options are very slim at this point. Uh, I guess my question to you, one of my last questions is, and I'm just going to go down the list here of presumable 2018, 2018 free agents of why the Lakers would have to punt once again. Obviously there's Paul George, there's DeMarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan has a player option. He can become a free agent. Obviously LeBron James, 
He can decline his player option. Russell Westbrook can decline his player option. And then lower, lower tier free agents in 2018 are guys like Avery Bradley and or Derek Favors. Now, 2019, if you want to punt again, you got John Wall, Clay Thompson, and then, you know, if DeAndre Jordan takes his player option next year, then DeAndre Jordan in 2019. I don't know if I've missed any other big free agents, but that's the kind of crop the Lakers are working with and hoping that they get two out of those that two out of that short bunch and short list, which is why I continue to say it's a very small room for error with the Lakers because they want to get two of these guys to come, right? Yeah, and I, let, let me just chime in yeah. on that real quick. They are not going to punt 2018 as well mm-hmm. because that then would mean six consecutive years out of the playoffs. Right. And this is a franchise that never went more than two before this current four-year stretch. So there's no way they will roll that over again. They're coming out of, if they don't do something, it will not surprise me if they go get Paul George and then try to do other big things this year Mm -hmm. to try and get back into the playoffs now. But they will absolutely be, they will come out of the summer of 2018 with a minimum of one, if not two major superstar players and try to get back to being the Lakers that they've they've been for the majority of their NBA run. Right. So what you're saying is don't get too attached to Brandon Ingram. Um, I, you know, I, I hate to say that I because I don't know that. I mean, maybe Ingram breaks out this year and scores 20 points a game, you know, and then he becomes a huge part of you know, the puzzle. And then maybe that changes your math, mm-hmm. right? That's the other thing. When you start projecting more than a few years down the line, you have to really get into, well, what does the team see in player X? You know, is that guy, is he really a guy to build around? Because if they believe that guy now, that's the guy, man, we got to have, you know, Brandon Ingram. He, he's going to be the one who leads us there. Well then, yo, know, are, are they going to go all in on, on Paul George and LeBron James? I don't know. You know, at that point they may say, you know, LeBron's in his, you know, mid thirties now. And, you know, I mean, and that guy's a cyborg, so he's <laughs> never going to slow down. But, you know, you, you got to really start to factor those things in because it becomes really tricky to start projecting really far out unless you have a really good handle on this is what we believe our young talent can be. Um, you know, if, if, if they believe Ingram's going to be a 20 point per game guy, well, that really changes how you're going to build the team around. Sure. It. Okay. So my last question here is, and, and going off of the hypothetical that something wacky happens, do you see the merits in, if a guy like Chris Paul somehow randomly wants to not take the Clippers 200 plus million offer and decides to test free agency for some reason, maybe, you know, there's some tampering involved and he has a hint that Paul George is coming in 2018. Is there some merit to the Lakers if they have an opportunity to sign a guy like Chris Paul or Blake Griffin now of doing that and then how would they do that would they essentially have to you know package dang away to free up you know max space for a guy like Chris Paul Blake Griffin even a guy like Paul Millsap right um to have to kind of pave the way for Paul George in 2018 while also building a semi-competitive team now with you know Brooke Lopez Lonzo Ball Brandon Ingram and oh Paul Millsap or Blake Griffin or Chris Paul yeah, so Paul and Millsap, their max salaries this year are $34.6 million. Okay. So, you know, I mean, that's probably how uh, the Griffins, um, his, his 
max is 29.7 so in order to even get anywhere near the space they've they would have to dump dang with not stretch him but full-on mm-hmm. salary dump him somewhere clarkson as well they're, they're just not going to have the kind of cap space to make a big landing spot like that and it you know chris paul well that's fun to think about and i know the lakers you know still kick themselves that they had him for you know what a half a day yeah. um way back in the day they didn't just draft lonzo ball to say all right play behind chris right. paul you know, that's not going to go well for anybody involved. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he he's, you know, just not a realistic option. But but a Blake Griffin or a Paul Millsap, you know, sure, they, they would help quite a bit. You know, and I hear a lot of people saying things like, you know, hey, we want to, uh, you know, we want to, um, you know, what about a sign-in trade? Well, those sign-in trades are basically dead at this point because players can't get anything more in a sign and trade than they can get from signing out. Right. You can't sign longer. You can't sign for more money. So what ultimately ends up happening is the only times those happen are between a capped out team and a guy really wants to be there and they have some sort of asset that the other side wants. So it's, it's highly unlikely that's going to be where it goes. I, you know, I said it earlier, I believe the Lakers route this year is going to be targeted one year veterans, um, for one year contract or targeted veterans on one year contracts is how I should phrase that, that they will potentially overpay a little bit for, but only for the one year. Um, you know, the, the Tyreek Evans, the Jody Meeks, maybe the Rudy Gay, as you mentioned, you know, that could be where you go with that. And then everything is going to be designed around conserving max cap space. But if they can somehow land Paul George before that, well, then that changes everything. Because now all of a sudden, I would say other than Paul George and Lonzo Ball, everybody's on the table, you know, just try and get this thing moving in the right direction. And that changes it all. Yeah, you've got me all in on the Deron Williams and Jody Meeks package of the summer. (laughs) But, you know, to be honest, the Lakers have disappointed every year in free agency that at this point if they can just do status quo and just do that i'll be happy because i'm not expecting anything anymore and at least we can just divert our attention to the young guys that they do have the pool of young core that they do have so that should assuage fans hopes and given last season was mozgov and dang train wreck and you know mitch essentially forcing us to use d'angelo russell as the sacrificial lamb i think we'll take one year of deron williams and jody meeks as a stopgap at this point um um, this is kind of a more overarching question for Paul Millsap, but do you think that he would accept a one year, one plus one, where he has the player option in the second year to enter free agency again next year? Yeah, but it would have to be at the absolute max mm, okay. he can get. Um, he's not going to take anything less than that. He may take less money than his max on a longer term deal to give himself more security, but maybe a one plus one at the max where he could opt out the following season. But I would find even that hard to believe. I think at this point, I do think he is going to leave the Hawks, but wherever he goes, it's going to be for a three or four year contract. Gotcha. Also the other pie in the sky guy I'm thinking about too is Kyle Lowry, but that's, that's likely not going to happen. Let me just mention on Lowry. They're not going to get any point guards as long as Lonzo balls there. Cause no point guards going to want to be there. Cause they know, what that situation is that the point guard them acquiring any sort of point guard minus a veteran who's cool to be a spot starter and ultimately a backup 
is is out. Mm-hmm. No, no, no major point guard is going to have any interest in going to the Lakers while you know knowing that's Lonzo Ball's job to lose. Sure, that sounds fair. My last question to you, and putting you on the spot, is I'm going to ask you to be a little Nostradamus here, <laughs> but who knows if you hit on this, like this will be amazing. So just give me your <laughs> end of free agency. These are the two guys that the Lakers come out with, and then in 2018, gave me the pie in the sky. Oh look, this is why D'Angelo Russell was traded scenario for the Lakers as well. So 2017, go ahead. So this year I'll say Tariq Evans is added on a one-year deal, and I do think it'll be a point guard. Let's just go with Darren Williams. We've been talking about him. So I think those will be the two guys that are added as the two veteran kind of bridge players to come in and help the team, give them a little little bit more of that scoring touch. Both, both can play beside ball um, as well because Williams has played off the ball um, extensively over the last couple of years. And the big reason why they're they're only going to do one, one plus one is, you know, if we're going pie in the sky, it's a LeBron and Paul George, that's why they're lining everything up is so that they can try and get those two guys to come to the Lakers. I do believe in the summer of 2018, LeBron James will either sign with the Los Angeles Lakers or the Los Angeles Clippers. It'll be one of the two. Very interesting. All right, cool. Thanks, Keith. That was great. Um, All in for Duran and Tyreek summer of 2017 and then LeBron and Paul George so yeah thank you again for sharing your wealth of knowledge and just allowing me to spitball with you all these things I hope people weren't too lost in the weeds but even if they were just educate yourself and I don't don't know listen to this podcast multiple times until it kind of sticks but again follow Keith his his Twitter handle and then also his documents and sheets on the salary cap to get a better idea of everything we talked about today and Keith one more time if you want to plug your social media stuff and everything yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I'm really active on there. So look for me on there. And again, tweet pinned right to the top of my timeline where you can find a link to my NBA salary and roster sheets. These are a they're, they're essentially almost the same exact version minus some stuff. Google Docs can't do that. My database can. But same stuff I look at every day when I am working through Capspace questions and hypotheticals and that same thing Jonathan and I just did here. I had those up the entire time and looking through them. So, you know, you can do the same and take a look there again. Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, Keith. And we will catch you again later. And maybe we'll have you come on again after the Lakers have signed Tariq Evans and Duran Williams. <laughs> I'd love to. Cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. I don't really know if that's true. I mean, I, I was majoring in creative writing in my two years, so I made up a lot of my stuff. That was the whole point <laughs> of the program. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm just thrilled to be out here. You know, it's uh, it all happened very quickly, um, but it's really a, a dream come true for me. It's very surreal, as I said before. And, uh, you know, growing up a Cali kid, um, you know, I was raised in North Hollywood, went to high school in Fresno, you know, college in Sanford, I'm a big time Cali guy. Um, you know, it's a, a dream come true to play for the Lakers. All right. So that was our interview with Keith Smith that ran super long, about an hour and seven minutes. Hope you guys didn't get lost in all of that. But I thought it was very insightful and also really gave me a new super bar lowered vision of where the Lakers are going this summer because prior to my conversation with Keith I was thinking more like ah maybe we could uh, fidget in one or two young upside guys like a KJ McDaniels or even an Ian Clark but after my conversation with Keith I was like nope he's right we have enough young guys it's probably going to be two veteran dudes on one year contracts so Tommy I just want to turn it over to you see what you thought and also if you have like a free agent wish list uh, of guys to look for this summer for the Lakers 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I I thought the explanations were extremely helpful, and it sort of sheds a lot of light on how we're not really going to do anything. So <laughs> I have I have no idea what we're going to do. I think what Palinka is going to do because he's made it really clear. And if there's one thing that I'll give Palinka credit for throughout all this process so far is it seems like he's a really hard worker and that comes from like multiple sources. Like magic is not going to be that guy. His, he has like, you know, he's involved in too many things and he's never going to be able to be the guy who's like pulling all nighters on the phone, on emails, on like three cell phones at once, typing (laughs) emails, like trying to get trades done. That's just not who he is. That's totally fine. But I think Palinka is that type of guy. He sort of brings that like Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality into like everything he does, uh, which I appreciate. But he seems like he's very, very, despite it being very clear to you and me and, you know, Keith and everybody, it doesn't seem like we're going to sign anybody this summer or at least anybody notable, like anybody for more than a year, anybody more than like a minimum or like an exception type of contract. So what are we going to do? Why does Palenka seem like he's so busy and to, or like he's taking this so seriously and like he's, you know, going to pull a bunch of all nighters again, leading into free agency. I think Palenka is going to be extremely, extremely, extremely active on the trade market. Um, there are only 10 teams that have cap space uh, and a lot more teams than that want to pursue, like want to be free agent players this year, whether it's signing their own guys. So they need to shed some space to like, so they are not going to have to pay a bunch of tax or whether they, they want to sh- uh, uh, chase other free agents. So I think Palinka's role in this whole scheme is going to be like, he has Tarek black who, you know, is a, uh, six million dollars non-guaranteed contract that a team can acquire and waive to immediately clear six million dollars in cap space which is not insignificant mind you and uh uh and oh and also because the lakers do have i mean a, i guess we now i guess we're a little bit over the cap but another angle would be like um using uh Jordan Clarkson for a team, for example, that does have cap space or is able to clear a little bit of cap space, but they're not able to sign anybody. Right. So many teams in the NBA need a guy like a Jordan Clarkson who can come off the bench and, you know, be a combo guard, play make a little bit, but mostly, you know, he's able to create his own shot. He's not a horrendous shooter. And, and honestly, his overall, pers- for as bad as he is, he's not like horrendous shooting threes, but for as bad as he is shooting threes, his overall field goal percentage is actually quite good for a guard. Uh, he's He's got a really good mid-range shot, actually, and he is very, very good at getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. So teams have use for, you know, need for something like that. So if there's a team that strikes out on free agency and needs a combo bench guard, Clarkson has a reasonable contract. Maybe we end up doing some sort of swaps where it's like, okay, well, we can't absorb Clarkson's 12... Either they just absorb Clarkson's twelve million, and maybe we, we get an asset back like a pick, or nobody can absorb Clarkson's twelve million, but a team really wants him, and they're willing to give up like a lesser contract, like an expiring contract or a two-year contract for lower money, Derek or, you know, something like that. Yeah, you know, something like that. Like you know, like Derek Favors is expiring, so that's a good example. And and I think the the uh, Jazz just. Oh yeah, that trade that we did with them. They have Tony Bradley now, who is a big forward, a uh, big man, you know, option for them. Um, so who knows? But exactly stuff like that. I, I don't know if it's going to be favors, but stuff in that. Ra- and now we have three power forwards, but but stuff, 
but stuff in that in that sort of realm, technically right? we like, have like seven power forwards um i know i sorry i want to butt in a little bit but like guys like danny green might be in play there but again he's a little multi-year contract so i don't know how that would work but i guess what you're saying essentially is like look there may be like zero action in free agency but the action may come in trade maneuvering around free agency yeah exactly so yeah, I like that angle, and, I, and it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to ask Keith about that. But you're right, um, the Lakers can make packages that will be attractive to some teams, and maybe we could end up being, even if we entirely sit out free agency, we could do what we did in 2013 when we did that Jeremy Lin trade and just accepted Jeremy Lin's salary cap, right? But also Houston had to tack on an additional asset. I, I do think that it would have to be for an expiring contract because yeah. the Lakers, every as Keith said, every amount counts at this point. It's just about, like you said, Palinka doing his homework and just finding the right opportunity and situation to take advantage of because the Lakers honestly just have to be creative here, right? So so yeah, that would be an interesting angle to look out for, even though we're kind of resigned to the fact that the Lakers aren't going to be making any big moves. But let's say that they aren't able to consummate a trade. I do want to add too, outside of Jordan Clarkson, we have to do something with Julius Randle. And unfortunately, regardless of how good he looks, I think they may give him some time to test him out and see how much his has improved and maybe even raise his value so that they can trade him at the deadline. But almost 100%, unfortunately, Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle, if the Lakers plan to follow, th- or yeah, plan to follow through with this two star max um, plan, they're going to be gone, you know, by summer 2018, whether that means right. they're traded or the Lakers, unfortunately, have to renounce Julius Randle's cap hold, you know, so I think they're going to be busy, like you said, trying to find a home for Julius Randle. And, you know, we bring up Derek Favors, but maybe that's a stopgap year for us where Utah's like, well, we want to be able to keep Julius. We want to have a cost controlled player where even though Julius Randle is expiring, they know that they at least have his, you know, restricted free agent rights, right? Where Derek Favors is an unrestricted free agent. He can just walk from them and leave them with nothing. So if you even think of a Derek Favors, Julius Randle one for one swap, that would make sense for both teams. And it's not like we plan to keep Derek Favors past one year, but hey, we might end up having a good team next year that, you know, wins 35 games and doesn't allow the Celtics to keep our pick, right? So um, just throwing that out there. So my last question, to you tommy is let's take the trade angle away from it um you know keith brought up his final 2017 lakers summer involves darren williams and tyreek evans i guess what would be your two pairings if you could come up with one for one plus one sort of deals obviously we need shooting but also another competent point guard ball handler to help usher lonzo ball so i think those two make sense in this in terms of like just old guys who probably aren't going to demand a lot and might just be willing to come here for a one-year flyer. I don't know, dude. At that point, I almost think, like... I almost think I almost think I would rather just, like, not sign anybody and just roll with what you have. And maybe, like, not even a one-year flyer, but, like, vet men guys who, fall, who slip through the cracks. Sure. You know, find, like, whatever point guard is left over who slipped through the cracks. I just feel like those types of moves... Look, no move is going to move the needle this summer. But those types of moves almost like kind of move it backwards mm-hmm. a little bit because regardless of, you know, what we do or like, you know, regardless of I any of these moves, I should say, would leave us with cap space for next summer. So that's not the issue. The issue is not cap space. The issue is you're still trying to develop a roster and develop a team and develop a young coach 
through this next year. You don't want to throw away the season by bringing in a guy like Darren Williams, who has his own agenda and is not going to, you know, has Darren Williams, he's never played in a system like this. He likes to hold the ball and he likes to do his own pick and roll and he likes to, you know, do his own thing. And he plays no defense and he's a random veteran who's going to be in and out in a year. So I'd rather have that spot go to like, you know, a random point guard who slips through the like cracks. Tyler Ennis hustles. or something like that. I mean, you know, even yeah. Ty, exactly. Like even Tyler Ennis, who guy who like at least tries to compete on defense. And when he comes in, he plays hard. I don't know if Ennis is the right guy, but like somebody like that will emerge, especially at the point guard. Hey, spot. your favorite player, Michael Carter Williams is going to be an unrestricted yeah, free agent. There you go. <laughs> Sign his ass up. Um, Actually, we should match him. <laughs> uh, so, no, I think you bring up a good point. I think, yeah, if the Lakers are worried about possibly impeding the development of their young players, yeah, maybe, you know, Keith brought up signing a guy like Bano Udri, you know, just a guy, like a veteran dude who will, who doesn't have his own agenda and just willing to play out um, his one year in L.A. So I almost feel like another option to go with is, you know, the Lakers signing a guy like Jody Meeks because all he's going to do is provide a safety valve for Lonzo Ball and give him some shooting. And then I'll... You love Jody yeah, Meeks, I huh? love Jody Meeks. <laughs> Jody Meeks. And then, like you said, random point guard A, Norris Cole, Beno Udri, uh, Ty, not Ty Lawson, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyler Ennis, something like that. So, yeah, you bring up a good yeah. point. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how the Lakers what the Lakers do this free agency, but if nothing is happening on the signing end, definitely keep an ear out for if the Lakers are planning to do any trade. So with that said, that is our free agency primer. That's a full hour and a half episode. It's probably our longest episode ever, but you know, with all the stuff that's happening, it's good to digest for everybody as we wait and see uh, what happens. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Tommy, uh, good luck on your trip. Have fun on your trip. I'm pretty much going to blame this on you if something crazy happens while you're gone. So <laughs> catch you later. Later. Peace. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.